And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking, and my guest today is Jay Stevens from the Jay Stevens Podcast, from the Locked On Buckeyes Podcast, from the Off the Ball Network, from, uh, I mean, pretty much at this point, any place you can name, he pretty much works for. I'm surprised he's not at ESPN right now, but Jay Stevens, welcome and welcome back. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me back on the show. Excited to jump into all the stuff that we have lined up. And I'm excited for college football, excited for college basketball, excited for sports, man. It's a lot of good stuff going on right now. All right. So I brought you on here to talk college football because right now that's been the that's been the thing. That's been the hot the hot moves. I mean, there's been a lot. I mean, I've had Zach McKinnell on for two straight weeks to talk about college football because there's a lot going on. So let's let's get to it. I first of all. What are your thoughts overall on the college football playoff rankings? I'll just go with the top six. Uh, it was Bama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati. I believe Notre Dame was fifth and Ohio State was sixth. Kind of, do you think the committee got it right? Do you think they didn't? Where do you think they could have? Do you think maybe somebody else could have been in the top six that wasn't? What were your thoughts when the final top six came out on Sunday? It's basically what I expected them to do. Not saying I agree with what the final six were, but I did expect them to go Bama, Michigan, Georgia, Cincinnati. Um, I don't think they wanted to do back-to-back SEC championship games after Georgia and Alabama played in Atlanta this past Sunday or Saturday. I don't think they wanted to do, oh, the a semifinal game is what we just watched, even though the BCS didn't didn't care about that. Of course, it's a computer ranking. Whatever it was, it was. And so I I think for what I, for what they did, I expected it. I thought that based off what we have seen done all season long and based off the performances, especially in the month of November and leading into championship weekend, I thought Michigan had a good argument to be, to be number one. And then Alabama two, Georgia three, Cincinnati four, Notre Dame five, Ohio State six. It's kind of where things were. I think Notre Dame would have been in the top four if they were in a conference or if they even played their older, um, their old independent only, independent schedule where they um, didn't have the, the wannabe ACC schedule that they're currently playing. Uh, I think their, their schedule was tougher. Um, that loss to Cincinnati earlier in the season really came back to bite them. If, you, if they lost to somebody else and not Cincinnati, you might find Notre Dame in that top four, Cincinnati on the outside looking in. But, I mean, it's kind of self-explanatory. I just think the Michigan Wolverines did enough to warrant that number one spot. But when you wear that helmet that Alabama wears, and Michigan's helmet's different, bias has come in. I, I'm shocked hearing you say that because you're an Ohio State fan, but I guess as an analyst, you do put your mm-hmm. – uh, you put your biases aside. I, mm-hmm. I I do that most of the time. I try, you know, <laughs> as a Colts fan, I, I try to put my biases aside. But here's the thing, Jay, I know you're in the group chat, the college football group chat. I know you see what goes on in there. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. I've been critical of Cincinnati from the jump. You know, I my argument for them has been they're not a first-half team. And I think playing a real team, somebody besides like a, you know, Murray State or a Navy or a Tulsa or a Tulane is going to backfire on them. I I think playing Alabama, drawing Alabama the way that they did in their first game, 
they're going to have to come out and they're going to have to be cooking in all cylinders. Now, I, I told Zach this on the Off the Ball Network College Football Playoff Reaction Show that I felt personally Alabama was the better matchup for mm-hmm. Cincinnati. I felt like they had more weaknesses than Georgia did. But so, I, you know, if I'm Cincinnati, the team, you don't want to play any other team. I, if you're Cincinnati, you're kind of hoping you drew Michigan. But if you're if you're Cincinnati and you were going to get one of those two SEC teams, you were definitely wanting Alabama over Georgia. Jay, I, I I'm all for this. Everybody, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't like this whole everybody gets an opportunity. Let's cheer up the 13 and 0 Conference USA team, or not Conference USA team, but the I can't think of the the um, league they play in right now, but. The point I, I guess I'm trying to make is that, like, there's a difference in schedule. You talked about Notre Dame, right? Like, if they played their old schedule, it might have been a different story. The schedule with Cincinnati is they don't play anybody. I saw them lose or win by seven to Navy. Bama isn't winning by seven to Navy. They're winning by 20, 25, maybe 30 points. I, I All I heard about was a triple option. That wouldn't have stopped Bama. That wouldn't have stopped Georgia. That probably wouldn't have stopped Michigan, but it might have because Michigan, I you know, just got hot at the right moment. Like, am I wrong? Like, what am I seeing? What am I not seeing for Cincinnati? What are your thoughts on Cincinnati? Like, I, I'm not trying to be a hater, and I'm not saying that they'll get beat by 30 like I once believed, but I, I don't think they're going to, you know, win. And I, I'm not sure it's going to be a close one. If this were about 10, no, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, and they use this same format, I don't believe Cincinnati's in. I don't at all. Undefeated. Group of five conference champion. I don't believe they're in. I think due to the Utahs, the Boise States, um, the UCF in 2017, due to what Cincinnati did last year and how they looked in the bowl game against Georgia, I think all of that is what has gone into this year of Cincinnati being in the top four. I think that based off the push from the public, push from many talking heads on the television and on uh, national platforms of sports talk radio. That's why they're in. I'm not trying to knock and say they didn't have a successful season. They're 13 and 0. they want to, they want a conference championship. Those are things to be praised and to be awarded for. Great. When you look at how college football is college football is a sport that is dominated by the brands because the brands had the best players. I don't care what you want to say about a group of five and you want to say, well, Jay Boise state beat, you, beat Oklahoma back then. Yeah, back then. But what did Boise State have in the 2000s? They had a formula. They had success back to back to back to back years building up to that moment. If you go back and say Cincinnati last year, what has Cincinnati done over the past five years? They weren't as successful in their conference as other group of five schools were. It's a it's an up and down type of thing. I think with them going to the Big 12 in a few years, it's going to be a wake-up call because, one, Luke Fickle might not be there. He wants to be in the Midwest. I think he's only coached in the Midwest. So I understand why um, he, may, he may stay there for a very long time. But I do think it's more of the public's opinion, the push from people in the media to say, oh, no, put them in. Give them a shot. We're in a, in a period in sports, college football, where people want to give people a shot. And some of those people that are getting a shot have not earned the right to get a shot. I'm not saying Cincinnati's a bad football team. I just think, as you said earlier, their schedule really should dictate how we view them. The one interesting thing about Cincinnati this year in the CFP ranking, if we went back to the old 
BCS poll, Cincinnati would still be number four. And so maybe the polls, people out there, computer rankings and everything, maybe we are viewing Cincinnati the way that they are. I don't think Cincinnati, if you played them against Notre Dame once again, had a rematch. I think it's I think it's close and Notre Dame might win that. I think if Cincinnati plays Ohio State, that might be close, but Ohio State might win that one as well. I say my, I'm trying. I'm trying to be as nice as, as, nice as possible. Um, I don't know if they could physically hang up with those other two schools again. I know once you play somebody a second time, the second time is a lot harder than what well, should be, unless you're Oregon and Utah. That's just a bloodbath <laughs> both times. But that's just how things are. Cincinnati is getting the push because of the public opinion and because the public is pushing people that they think deserve a shot. Oh, give it to them. Let's be honest, guys. In life, if you get if you, if you don't, sometimes you get you get things because you have earned them. Sometimes people hand you things because they think you deserve said shot. I'm weird about this group of five thing, man. I'm not really all on board with it. I think who you play does matter. Not as much, probably more in college football than say college basketball. Cincinnati to me could be Butler from 2010. I don't know though, bro. I have no idea. Um, basketball is a different sport than football. In basketball, you can have a mid-major team and get hot at the right time and run through the tournament to the national championship, a bank shot off the backboard from half court. If that goes in, where people view Butler even better than they did during that 2010 national championship game against Duke. I know this is a long explanation for a reason. People have fallen in love with Cincinnati, the Cinderella story. We don't have Cinderella's in college football, man. We don't, we don't, this isn't the sport for that. The big dogs win. The brands win. Yes, Cincinnati can win possibly and go to the national championship. But I think if you take away the court of public opinion, a public push, Cincinnati does not get in because, well, who they play in the regular season does matter. There's two things that you said there that, you know, I, I tend to always fight back against. And I'm not saying that you said that you were for these. I, I just know that you mentioned them and it's something that, you know, I also go back again. One is the Notre Dame game, and one is the uh, Georgia game from last year. I'm going to start with the Georgia game from last year. If we're basing off of last year, remember IU came in ranked 11th in the country. How did that work out? They won two games this year, so you can't base it off of last year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't do that. I agree. Because I agree. IU came in ranked 11th in the year in, in the country, and they finished the season with two wins. I mean, I'm sorry. You can't tell me that last year should dictate what happens this year. Then with Notre Dame, let's let's look at let's look at the number two team in the country. If you want to, we can work the sixteen. Look at the sixth team in the country as well. What how we viewed Cincinnati when they played Notre Dame to me should be viewed differently than how we view them now. Correct. Just like just like how we viewed Michigan at that point, that same point in time in the year that Cincinnati played Notre Dame versus how we viewed them after the Big Ten championship should be viewed completely different because they've grown. They've had a chance to either get better or get worse. And they've shown us now what kind of team they are at this point in time. And my argument has been, I understand they beat Notre Dame at that time. It was a top 10 team in the country. But, I mean, they went to three quarters, like, with it being an eight-point game with Tulsa. I'm sorry, Alabama isn't doing that. It's a – they've gone – you know, it was a close game with Tulane. I'm sorry, Alabama isn't doing that. FCS 
three, not, not North Dakota state, not South Dakota state, not James Madison, like a, a really good FCS team. It was Murray state who at the time when they played Cincinnati was three and five was in a seven point game. I believe with them at halftime at halftime. That means the game's halfway over and they're tied with a three and five FCS team. You're telling me that's the number four team in the country. Those are the problems I have with Cincinnati. Now, I think their strengths, Desmond Ritter being a mobile quarterback, their, their running back forward's really good. I think their ability to kind of, I'm not going to say come in and kind of hit Alabama in the mouth and show Alabama, you know, we are for real because I I would never take a Nick Saban team as being underprepared because I think a Nick Saban team, they're always going to be like, listen, you can get got at any point. So let's like, you know, let's stay focused. But I think Cincinnati's strengths can take advantage of Alabama's weaknesses and make this game a lot closer than I originally thought two or three weeks ago. They're just lucky, in my opinion, they're not playing Georgia, because if they did play Georgia, I do think they'd still lose by 30. Yeah, it's one of those things, man. If you want to go be – if you want to be nitpicky, which I think we should, if you want to use things current day, which I think we should, and not go – from what happened week two, week three, week four, and have that really hold a whole lot of weight and how you view a team after championship weekend. I, I think you're exactly right. The way you have played in certain games previously and then how you're playing in games now, you got to kind of factor all that in totality and when you're putting your rankings together. One weird thing about college football is that at some point, the AP poll, the coaches poll, I don't really know how the coaches poll works. That's, that's people, SIDs at, in, in the, at the schools. Coaches don't, a lot of coaches don't even fill those out. But if you take the AP poll and then the CFP poll, at some point that goes from being a resume-based poll into being a power ranking as far as who is the best team. And I don't know when that period is. I think if you look at resume, you may view Cincinnati different. If you look at how they – if you're ranking the best teams, you might view Cincinnati different. But the weird thing is this idiotic committee, which I can't stand, gives us no criteria. So as you lay things out perfectly as far as how Cincinnati has gone throughout the season, they may say, well, that doesn't mean anything. They literally told us the head-to-head matchup between Michigan and Michigan State didn't mean anything. Now, granted, Michigan has played better. Um, Michigan has won, has lost. Um, it had won a victim championship. And so that those are things that have happened. But they literally told us, Oh, the matchup we just watched where Michigan lost, that doesn't mean anything. At the same time, they said the Oregon win over Ohio State in week two on September 11th, that means a lot. But once Oregon loses to Utah, all of a sudden it's, wait, Ohio State's better than Oregon. And then when they have two losses, both Ohio State and Oregon, wait, Ohio State's better than Oregon. So you're using different criteria. And when you don't have set criteria, it's public. You can change things behind closed doors and then justify it or try to explain not justify it try to explain it on television so it's the same thing we're finding with Cincinnati we don't know how they're viewing that team we don't know what criteria they're using we don't know if they're using the resume we don't know if they're using the power ranking we don't know anything because they won't give us anything but they're scared to show to show us and to tell us how they are coming to the explanation in the in the rankings in the way that they are Ohio State Oregon Michigan Michigan State Cincinnati Georgia Michigan I think you're correct, though. If you view them, like you said, if you, view, if you last last season should not go into effect this year, what happens early in the season should not really have a whole lot of weight, should have some weight, but not a whole lot of weight as far as how you view teams now. It's college football, man. 
they don't want to give us criteria. So here we are at the end of the season trying to figure out how in the world to get to what they come up with. We don't have the answers. I gotcha. I gotcha. I don't, I don't want to keep hounding on Cincinnati because that's not what this show is about. It's about college football. So we're going to move on, but I just want to say one other thing, you know, as the season went out, eventually Oklahoma lost two games and that was enough for them to be considered out. That's fine. But they punished Oklahoma for how they played versus Tulane and some of these other schools, but they weren't punishing Cincinnati for how they played against some of these lower schools. To me, felt unfair mm-hmm. as to – but the same fans were, were crying wolf and saying it wasn't fair that Cincinnati wasn't ranked higher. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, a different argument for a different time. Let's move on mm-hmm. to some of the other teams. Michigan, this is a team that, you know, you got to watch firsthand mm-hmm. as an Ohio State fan. You got to watch them – Unfortunately for you, beat the Ohio State Buckeyes mm-hmm. in the Big Ten Championship. What is different about this Michigan team from other Jim Harbaugh teams? Because I'm going to tell you this, walking in, when that Big Ten Championship started, I, I honestly felt the entire week leading up, Ohio State's going to win this, and they're going to win it because it's Jim Harbaugh, and he has you know, no idea how to beat Ohio State. What is different about this team from the other Michigan teams that not only got them over the hump to win versus Ohio State, but to also win the Big Ten championship? There's a belief in what Harbaugh is preaching. I think the new fresh blood as far as like the new coaches that are in, I think that really helped, but there is a belief in what Jim Harbaugh is preaching. There's a belief in the physicality that they're playing with, and he – went back to what worked with him in, at Stanford. 2012 Stanford, if you, if you watch Michigan this year, there's a lot of the same concepts that Stanford had back then, a lot of the physical running, um, a lot of heavy sets, heavy run sets that are working. Now, they, even though they don't have uh, – Blake Corum, the backup, well, RB2, I think. I think Hassan Haskins is truly a starting running back. Those two running backs that they have – work so well together. You have Cade McNamara, who's a good quarterback. Now, he's not going to be an All-American, but you don't need an All-American to be successful in college football. Cade McNamara is a good quarterback, and we're finding out right now that with the way that Michigan plays football, they're going to be physical, they're going to be sound, they're going to be disciplined, they're going to try to run right through you. It helps when you have a front seven like they, ha- like, like they have to where it can really assist you to not allow the offense to really get off and to really be comfortable in what they want to do against Ohio state. They really just beat up, beat Ohio state up, uh, beat them up at the trenches. And uh, that game was not fun to watch, but you saw a Michigan team getting hot after what not getting hot. If you look at the entirety of the season, they that's a good football team, man. That's a really good football team to where it didn't, didn't matter who they're playing. They found a way unless it, unless it was Michigan state, they found a way to win. And I do think the Michigan team, if they had a different helmet on, it's weird. It's weird to say this. If you change colors with them in an SEC school, one of the Alabama, the Georgia, they're looked at different. But because of who they are, because of the coach that they have, they're viewed a different way now than I think they should. But that's a good football team. That's a really good football team. They get a lot of guys, Ajabo and Hutchinson, they get a lot of attention. But it all starts up front. The two interior D tackles, the offensive line, those are the players that move and control things for Michigan. And that's why they're in the top four, number two team in the country right now. I don't want to do, I don't want to start this uh, 
before the game even begins. But I, I do think it's something interesting to talk about and something that I heard. So it's not really originally my idea. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Braylon Edwards used to play wide receiver mm-hmm. for Michigan, played for the Cleveland Browns at one point. Uh, he works for a company and does a podcast now. I'm not sure what the company is called, but he has a podcast. And I followed him on TikTok, and one of the segments they were talking about was his Cade McNamara, J.J. McCarthy situation that Michigan has. And here's the thing. And it was very interesting because I talked about it going into – the the off the ball network college football reaction show because everyone's going to be talking about the Georgia quarterback competition between Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels who should they start should it be Stetson Bennett should it be JT Daniels I'll get your thoughts on that here in a minute but it's interesting to me because if Michigan loses this and they lose in a fashion that you know if they lose in a fashion where they're running the ball they can't really get it going, throwing the football. They can't really get, you know, their offense isn't explosive. I think next season we could see something very similar to what we saw with Clemson when Clemson brought in Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, Kelly Bryant the year before had taken Clemson to this, to the college football playoffs. They had played Alabama. And so, you know, here's this established veteran quarterback that had grown up behind Deshaun Watson, knows what it's like to win, and then this freshman comes in and knocks him off the pedestal. If Kay McNamara doesn't play well or play up to the standards that it's going to take to win against this Georgia defense, do you think going into next season there's at least a quarterback battle between him and J.J. McCarthy? Nope. Not at all. I don't think so? No, 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 no. I have never thought that. I think Cade McNamara gets a bad rap. Mike, stop. Not you. Not you at all. I'm not saying that this is all you. I think I think Cade McNamara doesn't get all of the credit that he deserves for being the steady hand leading and guiding this offense. You go down to Georgia, I think JT Daniels is the better quarterback. I think Stetson Bennett, when he came in, they just had so much success. They just want to roll with the guy that's leading them. And Kirby Smart's always been weird about quarterback situations. I mean, even going into last year, I think they played four quarterbacks within the first six games. Don't quote me on that, but they played quite a few. Even the guy that started game number one was Dewan Mathis, ended up transferring I think during the season, they ended up having um, the former Wake Forest quarterback. I forget his name. He ended up joining the team and then and then not playing for them and ended up just saying, hey, I want to prepare Jamie for the Newman. NFL draft. Yes, yes. He ended up not playing. And I'm like, wait, so you're going to transfer, not play, quit playing before the season. You get a, They may get a new guy. Kirby Smart's been weird, with, been weird with quarterbacks. I think Cade McNamara is exactly what Jim Harbaugh wants out of his quarterback. He doesn't need – Harbaugh does not need an Andrew Luck type of quarterback that can make all the throws. That's a really, really amazing future number one overall draft pick in the NFL draft. He doesn't need that. I think McNamara is what he is what he wants, what he needs. The question may be: Do you play JJ McCarthy so he doesn't transfer? That that's an era that we're that we're in right now. Um, Ohio State has some stuff going on where they were looking at a guy to transfer. Then they said, no, we don't want to bring him in because it may ruffle some feathers inside our locker room and guys might transfer. That's an era we live in. Players can move around whatever and how freely they want to. Well, first one-time transfer, that is. And so I, it's maybe McCarthy is playing more, so Harbaugh doesn't. So he doesn't want to transfer. But no, I, I don't think. 
I don't think McNamara is in any jeopardy at all. I think he's been exactly what Michigan needs with this football team this year to be successful. I mean, one loss on the season. You're playing in the Final Four for the first time, in the playoff for the first time. Harbaugh beats its rival, Ohio State, for the very first time, won the Big Ten Championship for the very first time. There's a lot of firsts going on right now. I don't, I don't think Harbaugh is going to jump off the McNamara train to put McCarthy in next year um, if things don't go well right now or even if um, there's a little competition in the offseason. I think it's McNamara's job to keep. And then Georgia and Alabama, what are your thoughts on those two teams? I mean, obviously, you know, they played for the SEC championship. We saw how that worked out. I don't think it's going to happen twice like that. Like, I think if they meet again, it's going to be a much closer affair. Um, I even proposed the idea that I'm not trying to be, you know, a conspiracy theorist, and I'm not trying to be like a hot take gotcha guy, but I I would not be a bit surprised if maybe Georgia didn't take it as serious as Alabama because they knew win, lose, or draw were in this thing, where Alabama kind of was on life support. They needed to win, so they came out a little more hungry than Georgia. I could see that being a thing. I'm not saying that is what happened, but I'm just saying I could see that being a a reason that the win margin for Alabama was so large and why they look like they had such a, you know, hand over Georgia. Plus Nick Saban just doesn't lose to his assistants very often. I mean, I think that's something that is very well known. So what are your thoughts on Alabama and Georgia, the final two teams here in the college football playoffs? And then we're going to move on to uh, Ohio state, the number six team in the country. I think Alabama is a team that nobody wants to play. I think they're still flawed. I think if you hit them in the right time and in the, in the right way, you could beat them. I'm not, but I still think it's people view when they look at Nick Saban, they're like, wait, save it in the playoff. I don't want to play them. You have to have an approach, take an approach where it's like, wait, these guys are human. They put their pants on the same way we do one leg at a time. And I firmly believe if you take that approach into a matchup with Alabama, you're going to go into it a lot more confident than you are that it's like, wait, oh, that's Nick Saban on the sideline. I'm kind of starstruck. Or that's Bryce Young. He either was up for the Heisman or he won the Heisman. We don't – hasn't been announced yet, so we're not sure if he's going to win – if he did win it or if he will win it or not. But you got to view him just like, the, just like the regular football team. This team is not perfect. This team is flawed. One of the best things I like about this season – it's going to be kind of weird – we're not going to hear, and if we hear somebody say this football team, whoever wins the national championship, is an all-timer, if somebody says that, we have concrete data that we can use to go against that statement. Everybody, I believe, in this thing has one loss. Yeah, everybody has one loss um, in the playoffs, so great. To me, maybe my no. standards too. Well, everyone except oh, for Cincinnati. 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 And I, me personally, I'm not putting a group of five team and say they're one of the best of all time. I'm not. <laughs> People have said LSU, Alabama last year. I think we jumped too much. People jumped too much into saying so-and-so is an all-timer. So-and-so was this. So-and-so was that. And the all-time greats. Ain't, I hope. I really hope that doesn't happen this year. Concrete data that there's things that are flawed with all of these teams. If you put them with teams from previous years i think a lot of these teams struggle with teams that recently won championships or teams that didn't win the championship alabama's good but they're flawed i wonder how the offensive line of alabama holds up in not just the semifinal game if they win that one how they hold up in the national championship as well there's going to be teams that throw different wrinkles at them to confuse them that's something i'm going to be watching when it comes to georgia Maybe it's Kirby Smart and his Kirby and his quarterback situations that he just can't get right. If he get if he gets his quarterback situations right, 
Kirby Smart might have a national championship by now. I mean, it's 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 that simple. Now, granted, um, he's missing some a weapon or two on the outside, uh, so that hurts him a little bit. But if Kirby Smart gets his gets his quarterback situation correct, and I don't know what happened in the SEC championship. It was a different Alabama team, a different Georgia team. But that quarterback quarterback situation, if that gets right, if you have the right guy in the huddle, things might be different for this Georgia team. They're good, really good. I don't know if they're gonna if they're gonna win the, na- the national championship this year. And that's who I predicted to win the national championship before the season started. Here's what I I, I want to say this. I am sick and tired, I guess, of every time Alabama is in a close game with a three-loss Texas AM or a they're going to double overtime with a six and six Auburn. Everybody talking about how they're not that good and they're overrated because of who they are, stuff like that. Like, they showed you in the SEC championship game that they're still Alabama. I mean, I heard a lot of that in some of the group chats that, you know, I'm in, not just the Off the Ball Network group chat, but some of the others I'm in. People talking about how Alabama was frauds and how their schedule was easy and you know, how you can't beat a six and six Auburn. And then they came out and they spanked Georgia in the national champ or in the uh, SEC championship. So to me, I think Bama has a shot, but we'll, we'll see. I, I think the committee got what they want. And you can tell me what you think as well. They got what they want, which is a chance. Again, the games still have to be played. Uh, they have a chance for Alabama to play Georgia for the national championship the two, two of the best teams in the country. I was going to say the two best teams, but Georgia's ranked third. So, you know, technically they're not the, the two best teams in the country. I would have had them at two after that loss, but that's my opinion. I'm not doing the rankings. I don't get paid to, to you know, put people in places. So, yeah, I think they got what they want. They have an opportunity. If, if things go the way they think it will for Georgia and Alabama to meet the national championship. Yeah, the committee got what they wanted. Um, (laughs) They don't want to do certain things, but they end up showing us what they want to do at the same time. Um, People do view Alabama in a weird way. They always have. Yeah. Except for, I mean, they did, before Saban got there, Alabama Alabama wasn't what Alabama is now. And I think we're finding out now that people view Alabama maybe too good. Maybe, no, not too good. But maybe they hold them, and sometimes they're not realistic in the way they're expert in their analysis of what they're seeing on the field. I mean, we're human; we can all fall trap to the jersey or the colors or the coach on the sideline and say, "Well, oh, they got that; they're fine." Kind of like how um, with the Patriots in the NFL, people at one point were saying, "Oh, Bill Belichick does not have Tom Brady." Okay, great. Well, what does he have? He has Bill Belichick. He has that brain that he has. A lot of experience on the in the in football. And what we're finding out this year, Bill Belichick is still one of the best, if not the best coaches in the NFL. It happens. We find out certain things about people and we fall into those things. But sometimes people want to fall off of certain things as well. The committee, they did what they wanted to do. They got those matchups. We just got to wait to see how they play out on the field. Uh, Let's turn to Ohio State because you're an Ohio State fan. So anytime... I get somebody on who's a, who's a fan of a certain team. I like to talk about their team a little bit. I mean, that's, you know, I like to talk about the Colts. So, you know, I figured, you know, anytime somebody's on, when, when, J, when Jeff's on as well, we talk a little bit of Ohio State. When we talk NFL, we talk Miami. So here's the thing. 
what what's your thoughts on on this bowl game? A, a Utah team that's coming in off of beating Oregon. Uh, what what are your thoughts and and maybe not a score prediction, but what do you think the outcome will be for Ohio State in this bowl game? So we're doing this, and I have not gone and watched a lot of crazy amounts of film on the Utah Utes just yet. Seeing them play against Oregon, that really showed me a lot about them. But I want to do I do want to say this up front. I have, I want to spend, I will I will spend more time between now, whether it's being what's this the end of what December something, December eighth, and then the game's gonna be played on New Year's Day. So I will spend more time doing that. I think Ohio State versus Utah was an intriguing matchup. I think it's a game that Ohio State desperately, desperately, desperately needs to end their season on a high note so they're not ending the season with that bad taste against Michigan still in their mouth, lingering into the offseason, going to spring practice, the spring game, then the long offseason before they play Notre Dame in the first game of next season. Ohio State football team, they're the better football teams, too. I'm not going to lie to you about that one. Um, I think the physicality that they have not showed in certain games throughout the season they're going to have to bring that against Utah. If you don't bring that level of physicality that you did not bring against Michigan that was lacking throughout portions of this season, that could be a very, very, very long game. The Rose Bowl is my favorite venue in college football. I want to go to a Rose Bowl at some point. I do cover the team, but I am not going to the game. So I'm a little jealous of those individuals that are covering the game that will be in Pasadena on New Year's Day. One day I'll be able to join them at some point. It's all going to come down to the physicality. You can say, yes, Ohio State's pass, passing attack. Well, Utah's pass defense is pretty good. You can say it's Ohio State's rushing attack. Well, Ryan Day has shown he does not want to run the ball consistently. He wants to run, he wants, he wants to throw the ball way more than he than he than he runs it. And so I do think it all comes down to physicality. That defense has to tackle. And that's one thing that worries me at times is. You can make up all the excuses about the limitations that Big Ten has on practices, blah, 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 blah. This is football. These cats have been playing football, a lot of them, since they were youngsters. Tackle, tackle, tackle. You tackle and you block. The game's going to be easy. All right, so now I want to move on to this. It's, it, I want to move on to Quinn Ewers. And Jeff said something on a podcast of mine. Or it might have been on my podcast. It might have been in the group chat. I, I can't remember where he said it, but he said it. And I thought when he said it at the time, I thought it was a little like out there and I thought it was a little crazy. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, that Quinn Ewers came from Texas. And so he wasn't sure as to how committed Quinn Ewers would be to a Midwestern team, like an mm -hmm. Ohio state, considering, you know, it's as far from Texas. And I thought, because this is what I hear a lot when, like, I don't think, for instance, Notre Dame, people talk about, like, you, we talked about it the other day in the group chat about the the name, right? And, like, you talked about, I think it was you that told me, you know, certain players will go to Notre Dame because it's Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. well, I thought Ohio State, with everything they've achieved since Urban Meyer's been there, was enough of a name to keep Quinn Ewers there, despite what, you know, uh, CJ Stroud was doing and mm -hmm. I felt you know I do feel like sometimes I mean Mo had talked about it Jeff had talked about, I, I don't know if Jeff commented on it but I know Mo had talked about you know if CJ Stroud didn't win the national championship this year there could reasonably be a quarterback competition between him and Quinn Ewers going into next season kind of like that Kelly Bryant Trevor Lawrence thing I talked about 
So when it was announced that Quinn Ewers was going to transfer, again, I don't cover the team like you do. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't hear the whispers. I don't hear what's being said. Mm-hmm. For me, it was a little shocking because I thought maybe he would at least give it a competition. Like he would mm-hmm. at least try to see if he could beat out C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. But he didn't even give it a shot to do that. So what are your thoughts on this whole Quinn Ewer situation, him transferring and him potentially going to a Texas school? So I want to talk about something that you talked about in the group chat about like Notre Dame brand, Ohio State brand, Texas going to Midwestern school, Notre Dame being a national brand like Ohio State, but in a different way. When it comes to Ohio State, a lot of Ohio kids, some kids in the Midwest, but a lot of kids in Ohio, Ohio State is their school. They want to go to Ohio State. They want to be an Ohio State football player. There are some kids that even will just be simply a walk-on because it's Ohio State, and that's where they want to be. With Notre Dame having the NBC contract and having it since the early 90s, I want to say 92 or 93, that's been a great way and a big way that Notre Dame has really broadened their scope, been a national brand in a different way than Ohio State is a national brand. Not saying they're more national. There's national, they're, they're national brands. And I think everybody listening to this knows what I mean when I say there's a national brand in college football. Notre Dame is in television, is in is in homes every single Saturday. I think NBC broadcasts six or seven home games every single year, most at 2:30, somewhere at 7:30. These are all Eastern Standard Times. And so you know when Notre Dame is going to be playing the football, and it's going to be appointment television. I talked to a guy, he's a, he's a scout, lives in Jersey, big Notre Dame fan. I talked to a former Notre Dame football player, played in the, in the late 80s. He was a Notre Dame football fan then. Why? Because they were on TV. And so you have parents, you have grandparents, well, more so parents now, that started becoming Notre Dame fans because Notre Dame was on national TV, network television, before other schools were on TV every single week. And that's why the brand Notre Dame is so big. One thing you notice when Brian Kelly left for LSU, Marcus Freeman stayed, Tommy Reese stayed, and I think most, or if not all, the assistants stayed. I don't think any commit decommitted from Notre Dame. I don't think anybody transferred. Now, there may have been one or two, but for the most part, everybody stayed. LSU, you had a lot of cats transferring, you had a lot of cats decommitting. Um, um, you at no Oklahoma, when Lincoln Riley left overnight, you had a lot of cats decommitting, some cats transferring. Notre Dame's not like that. And I think that's what we're looking at when it comes to Notre Dame. The brand, the brand is different. And I say all that to say this. I understand why Jeff would say that he's not sure if Quinn Ewers, a Texas kid, is all in on a Midwestern school. Yes, it's a national brand, Ohio State. But the brand is different in Texas, viewed by a Texas young man, than it is by an Ohio State young man. That's just the nature of the beast. Kids in Texas, a lot of them want to go to Texas. Um, some will want to be an Aggie at Texas A&M. Some will say Texas Tech. But mainly it's Texas. That brand, that, that Longhorn, that what that means to the community, to that state, that is everything. And so I do think with Quinn Ewers, that's part of it. But this man, Stu, he's motivated I believe, by money. His dad advised him, his parents advised him to really leave his high school football team in August. You can say quit because he didn't quit. You can say he quit on his team, left the team, whatever you want to, word you want to use. I'll go out there and say it. He did that in August. He quit or left the football team four months later due to money. Money motivated him to leave high school to go to Ohio State, potential of signing million-dollar NIL contracts. 
money was a mo- well money was a motivator to leave Ohio State to go somewhere else, Texas, because of money. Now, you may say, Jay, there's reports out there that Quinn Ewers wanted a commitment from the coaches for him to start, for him to stay. Yes, but why? Because of money. He knows so does every recruit in the country, though. Thank you. That's exactly right. You want Every recruit wants that. But you want Ryan Day right now in the middle of a season where his, where his quarterback is a Heisman Trophy finalist, where his quarterback – won the Offensive Big Ten Player of the Year Award, the Quarterback of the Year Award in the Big Ten, and the Freshman of the Year Award, you want him to say, oh, wait, no, no, we're going to commit to you next year, Quinn Ewers. We know you're a high school high school senior and the way that we view you. But wait, we want to commit – you want us to commit to you? You've done – you didn't even practice that much. I get it. I understand it. I think he's motivated by money, and I think in the long run, it might hurt him. One thing that's helped him, though – I know I'm going a little bit longer – do you remember the um, show on Netflix, QB One, that documentary? And that's where that's where I fell in love with a lot of guys. Like, like I love Justin Fields because of mm-hmm. you know that. I loved Jake Fromm because of that. I loved a lot of guy, uh, the kid at Wake or at Wake Forest, Sam Hartman. I loved him because of QB One. Anyways, you can continue. Sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. One thing that hurt Tate Martell was Tate Martell was on that TV show. One thing that helped Quinn Ewers is that that TV show was not running on Netflix while Quinn Ewers was in high school. Also, Quinn Ewers didn't have a senior, senior year of high school, so you're not going to highlight somebody his junior year and then knowing that the potential of him leaving is all a senior year thing. If Quinn Ewers was on QB1, I wonder how the public would view him. I firmly think that that show not running and him not being at high school senior year, I think that helped him. And by the way, that the public views him. I'm not a big fan of the move. I wasn't a big fan of him leaving high school early to go to Ohio State. I know money's great. Memories are great as well. Missing out on your senior year is a big, big, big deal. I know guys in high school basketball, they leave the senior year of high school to go to these prep schools. Can't stand it. My dad and I talk about that all the time. So I think this Quinn Ewers thing is interesting. Um, Not a big fan of it. I hope Texas players, if he goes to Texas, I hope they know what they're getting. This kid's mechanics, I have seen quarterbacks that play college football comment on his mechanics. I've never been a fan of them. They're not a fan of them. So I hope that at some point somebody works on those things. And if money's going to motivate him throughout his life, um, there are going to be people in his life that think he's loyal, that he might not, that we'll find out he's loyal to the money. He might not be loyal to them. Here's what I want to say. I want to say this. First of all, I'm all for college athletes getting paid like i think mm-hmm. if you're gonna you should get your money while you get it while you have the chance i mean why not the schools are making billions of dollars off of you so i think you should make money off of off of playing so i'm all for people getting their money like any nfl i'm all for people signing these hundred million dollar contracts people are gonna mm-hmm. are gonna do it you sign it like i i'm all for it i'm here for it get your bread bro i'm here but i have a pro i, I do have a problem with what like what you said, like motivating by money, because here becomes the thing. We hear this Trevor Lawrence made a comment before the draft about how if he didn't win a Super Bowl, it wouldn't be the end of the world. And mm-hmm. everybody questioned for two weeks whether he loved the game of football or not. So when it comes to draft time, if you don't think and Quinn Ewers is viewed in the same light as Trevor Lawrence, just so everyone listening knows. He's viewed in the same light as far as a high school recruit goes as Trevor Lawrence, at least up there near that level. So if you're going to 
so the NFL is a reasonable expectation for Quinn Ewers. That's what people think. That's what people are expecting Quinn Ewers to do. Play. Why is that an expect an expectation? Well, I don't, I don't know just, if you. I don't know if you believe that or not. But I, I'm not saying I believe that. I'm just yeah. saying like when you come in like for Trevor Lawrence, right? Trevor Lawrence was a freshman. Hadn't played a snap at Clemson. The consensus was, and you had you had guys like Mel Kiper and others saying this guy out of high school could play right now in the NFL. I'm not saying anyone's saying that about Quinn Ewers, but what I'm saying is when you're recruited as highly as he is, when you're getting put in the same light as a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who has been deemed before the draft, the greatest prospect since Andrew Luck, everyone expects the route for you to be the NFL. And here comes the question though. You're right. His moves have been motivated by money. Do you know the difference between – do you know why Tom Brady is still playing 20 years in the league? You don't have to listen long. You, you listen to him talk for three minutes, and you'll know why. You know why? Because he loves the game of football. Do you know why some of these other guys aren't playing? You know why Josh Rosen is on bouncing from practice squad to practice squad? Because he didn't love the game of football. He, he took it for granted. I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend anybody when I say this, but he came from a place – like the silver spoon lifestyle, mm-hmm. shall I say. Mm-hmm. And he had a lot of things given to him, came from a very privileged background. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, he football wasn't everything for him. He at one point contemplated not even playing in college to play tennis. Like, I mean, so it tells you where the love is for Josh Rosen. I hadn't thought about it that way until you po- brought it up with Quinn Ewers. But it's very, very true that you know he seems like he's motivated with money and if you don't think for a minute come his junior or senior year if he's played well enough to to be scouted to be a nfl draft guy if you don't think for a minute that that's not going to be a knock on him and a lot of teams are going to pass on him then i think you're crazy because i think teams are going to look at that nfl teams are going to look at that and say i don't know i don't know if this guy can be trusted I don't know if this guy's in it for the game or if he's in it for, you know, football. Now, I will say this. Here's something I will say, too. You brought up an interesting point. And I don't call myself the quarterback guy. Coach Couch coach calls me the quarterback guru. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like it because, like, I don't like to give myself that kind of title, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I watch mm-hmm. a lot of quarterback tape. And I watch mm-hmm. a lot of films on quarterback. I do the draft every year. I rank NFL quarterbacks. I'm not a fan of mechanics of his mechanics. No, and I'm a big no, mechanic. Dude, they're bad to me. They're bad. Yeah, really bad. I'm a big mechanic guy. Like, there's a big reason, a huge reason. I didn't think a lot of these people were. I was not a fan of Sam Darnold's mechanics coming out. It's too long. His release takes too long to get to get the ball out of his hand. It's it's a big loop. Same with J, uh, Jared Goff. I say all that to say like. You Tim Tebow had success in college throwing the football. How did it work in the NFL? Not great. I'm not saying Quinn Ewers throwing mechanics are anywhere near what, uh, you know, Tim Tebow's are. But I'm with you. I'm not a big fan of the, of the you know, throwing mechanics. I was watching those videos of him at the Elite 11 and all this stuff, and everyone was blowing their mind because he was throwing the ball sideways and stuff. But, like, even when you watch him just throw it regularly, I'm not – I'm not stoked. I, I don't like the way he throws the football. And I I hope going to Texas will change that. Now, let me 
I will comment on the whole name thing. And like, I understand, I understand your point, but to me, I like, I get Texas and Texas is the thing, but Texas hasn't done anything since Colt McCoy's been there. Like winning speaks louder than the brand to me. That's why I thought Notre Dame might, you know, plummet after, you know, uh, Kelly left was winning means more than, going to a Midwestern state where it's cold, snowy, and academic standards are high, I could go somewhere else where the standards aren't so high, actually win football games, and actually have a chance to compete for a national championship. So I say that because, I, to me, I would say to Ohio State, I have a chance to compete for the starting job. I have a chance to win a national championship. Where Texas, we don't know. I mean, Sark, Sark might be fired. Like we, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So for me, I think I think it's a crazy decision to choose a school like Texas, Texas Tech, TCU. Like what's Texas Tech done since Michael Leach has left? Produce, produce Patrick Mahomes and that's it. But other than that, you can't name anything. You know, when it comes to the brand thing, a lot of kids I know they grow up wanting to go to a certain school regardless of the team's success on the field, wins, losses, taking into consideration why they want to go there. Um, Indiana basketball. I've been in Indiana my, most of my life. Kids grow up Thanks. wanting to play yep. for Indiana. Indiana basketball has not been good for a very long time. Outside of maybe one or two years when Tom Crane was there, they, they're not, they have not been a good basketball team. But these kids, now not so much as it used to be, because I know that Bob Knight, that stuff, there was a lot more love for Indiana basketball. But that brand, those candy stripe pants means a lot. There's a lot of kids that literally grow up wanting to do that. Beat play for Indiana basketball. Same thing with Notre Dame. I don't think Quinn Ewers was that guy when it came to football for Texas. I don't. I think if it was that way, he would have stayed in Texas and then and then made, and then um, tried to go to Texas um, and just stayed in high school. Um, if he really wanted to be a Texas kid, I don't think that was his way. If he wanted to be a Texas kid, you wouldn't have heard about Texas Tech and Texas A&M being in the running along with the Longhorns, I do believe, to get Quinn Ewers. Um, one thing I know about Quinn Ewers that people – seem to forget he's only played two snaps and people are saying he's going to win a college job. He's going to be an NFL quarterback. We ain't seen him do nothing. And from what I've heard from Ohio state, he didn't practice much this year when it came to the team late. And he also, I, I want to say he had an injury in the season. No, don't quote me on that one. No, that's not confirmed. But I think I heard rumblings that he had an injury during the season, which derailed him from practicing consistently Quinn Ewers has shown me nothing on the field, which makes me think he's going to start at whatever school he plays at next year, the year after, anything, nothing. I also don't know how these guys get to their get to their rankings on these recruiting sites, 24-7 sports, rivals, ESPN, on3sports.com, whatever the website is now. I don't know how they come to that stuff because if you're going to tell me that Quinn Ewers is number one, in 2021 now what would have been 2022 and then arch manning's number one in 2023 to me there's a gap between yeah. how good arch manning is and how good quinn ewers is and it's a sizable gap this isn't like something to wear the tip of my pin um if you go if you see, if you see my pin that it's a very very small jump from the bottom to the top to get from quinn ewers to arch manning to me there's a sizable gap between how good arch manning is and between how quinn how good quinn ewers is and i just I wonder people have fallen in love with what's right in front of them, the hot thing of the day, instead of realizing, yeah, yeah, instead of realizing that all of a sudden they have to use their eyes. They have to figure things out. 
They have to do things that aren't the norm so that all of a sudden they can get to their own explanation, their own opinion about a player. I don't know how these guys come up with this stuff, but I have personally seen nothing from Quinn Ewers that says he's going to start next year. And for him to even be bold enough to say, well, I'll stay at Ohio State if I start next year. If you could confirm me, if you could tell me I'll be, I'll be the starter. I, I don't know what he's, I don't know what is wrong with this kid for you to do that. I don't know if that was you asking, if that was your advisors asking, but buddy, you ain't done nothing at <laughs> all to be able to be that bold and to ask a question like that. I, I'm confused by all the Quinn Ewer stuff. Um, I think it's, this is a story. I made a comment one day. I was like, isn't it quite comical that we're talking, spending all this time talking about a kid that only played two snaps, but this is a story. I don't think Quinn Ewer's will be a trend. I do think there's a danger of NIL money when it's not regulated because all this is doing is legalizing what was illegal before. Boosters were giving kids money previously. Now they're able to give kids a whole lot more money to play for these schools under legal in a, in a legal way. So Quinn Ewers, I know I'm getting hard on him. I know I'm, I'm not, I never met the kid. I just don't agree with a lot of the decisions that he has made. And I don't agree with a lot of the things people that are advising him are advising him to do. I'm very, very nervous for the next schooling coach that picks him up and says, hey, come to our school. Because what says he does not transfer one more time? Tate Martell's played for three schools. Hasn't played very much at all. What's to say Quinn Ewers isn't the same way? Hey, I'll get my money in Texas. Um, Y'all don't want me great. I'll go somewhere else. I, I'm just not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it at all. And uh, only very, very curious to see how this thing uh, transpires going forward. I, I will be too. It'll be something I watch, obviously, because, you know, when you come out with as much hype as Queen Universe has come out with, and I start looking, you know, a year in advance to draft, like, like you know, come January, February, I'm going to, I already have like a rough draft of my final rankings for this year's draft. So I kind of want to get, let the bowl games play out, go watch some bowl game film before I release my rankings. But um, I kind of want to, you know, I do it a year in advance. So Quinn Ewers is a guy that's on my list to keep watching and keep an eye on, kind of keep at the front of my mind. Because when you come out with as much hype as he did to be viewed as the next Trevor Lawrence is something I've heard. I, I've heard a lot of people say, so if you come out with that much hype and you even Tate Martell, a guy you brought up, did not come out with that much hype. Mm -hmm. He was not the next mm -hmm. Johnny Manziel or any of that stuff. So, and Johnny Manziel is nowhere near the quarterback that Trevor Lawrence was. So if it's something to keep an eye on and something to watch, but to think, even though three years down the line or two years down the line to think that, you know, he won't be, this won't come back to bite him. If someone thinks that they're crazy. Because I think it's going to come back to bite him if he is draft eligible and he is somebody that, looking back now, we say, oh, yeah, that's a guy I want to draft. Because I'm going to be honest with you, things change even in a season. Yeah. I had Spencer Rattler as the number one quarterback coming in this year. Now yeah. he's looking for another place to go play football. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, things change all the time. But, you know, it's something you got. I'm going to keep an eye on definitely with him playing quarterback, getting as much hype as he's gotten and those type of things. Well, Jay, I want to say thank you for joining the show.
coming on, talking college football, talking Ohio State, talking Quinn Ewers. I think you brought up a very good point about Quinn Ewers, a point that not a lot of people are talking about, I feel like. And so I want to say thank you for coming on. Plug your show, uh, all of them that you do. Plug uh, some stuff that you're working on and then Mm -hmm. where they can find you on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. Stu, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me back on the podcast once again. You can follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. There's a couple podcasts that I'm a part of. One is the J. Stevens podcast. Once you start doing something as consistently as I can with as busy as my schedule can be on weekends with Ohio State stuff every Sunday. And you listen to the podcast to know when the next live show will be. I'm going to start doing live shows on Sunday evenings. Um, that'll be tweeted out from my personal Twitter page, and then also the um, Jay Stevens podcast uh, Twitter page as well, at Jay Stevens pod. So you'll be able to look out for that either 7 or 8 p.m. Eastern time on Sundays. They're streamed live on Twitter and on YouTube. Um, Jay Stevens podcast on YouTube if you want to put it on the television. Then also the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. It's a daily, yes, Monday through Friday podcast on your Ohio State football and basketball teams. Right now, it's heavy, heavy, heavy on Ohio State football. Just hiring Jim Knowles as a new defensive coordinator, Quinn Ewers transferring, Sonny Styles reclassifying. There's a lot of good stuff going on at Ohio State. Positive, negative, kind of in, in the middle. We'll touch on all of that. And if you like what you hear with this podcast today, trust me, I am not going to back off with anything going forward with anything I, I do. I love, I want to be honest and I want to bring authentic opinions about the topics you love, the sports you love as well. Add Jay Steven 07 on Twitter. Off, but I do want to add I love real it. quick. I do want to add to this. There, there's certain people in this world that we live in, this podcast world and, and sports opinion and stuff that I respect because there's some people who have an opinion and won't stick by it right like for instance me with the whole Jameis Winston thing like it's something that even now I still stand on the hill and the mountain time mountaintop and scream if I'm wrong I'll admit I'm wrong some people don't do that that's a thing I respect about you that's the thing I respect about a lot of people at the network is if they have opinions they're going to stand by them if they're wrong they're wrong but you know what they're they're their opinions so I do just want to let everyone know that that is something you can expect from Jay is, you know, listen, he's, he says what he means. It means what he says. And, you know, if, if you think he's going to sugarcoat anything, he's not going to, it's a respectable thing. I just wanted to let you know that that's, that's where I'm at. That's how I feel. I appreciate that. I, lo- I want to be honest. I want to be authentic. I don't want to just go with the trend of the day. And I think with the shows that I, that I host, um, I hope the listeners view that and uh, they see the authenticity and my opinions every single show. 100%. You sure can. You can finish with, with plugging yourself. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm good, buddy. I just appreciate you having me on the podcast again. This was a lot of fun. All right. Jay Stevens joined the show. And we talked a lot about, um, you know, college football and, you know, Ohio State the Quinn Ewer situation, everything like that. I know it's the end of the show, but if you can hang on there one more second for those of you listening, I just want to, you know, tell you about these new bars that, you know, we have, the the built bars. Unlike all other bars out there that taste like old Play-Doh or a piece of cardboard, when you eat a built bar, you'll think that you're cheating on your diet with a delicious chocolate dessert. If your kids find out how good these are, You're going to have to buy more because they will keep begging for them. They have great flavors such as cookie and cream, 
double chocolate, strawberry, peanut butter, brownie, and much more. Built Bar now has a mystery flavor as well for those of you who like to switch it up every now and then. So guess the flavor correctly and you could win a prize. Also, when you go to checkout, use the code off the ball at checkout to get 10% off your order at builtbar.com. And then we and then also I want to remind our listeners that this show is also sponsored by and the Off the Ball Network is sponsored by BetUS and the newest sponsor of the Off the Ball Network. They have the fastest payouts in the industry and offer 125% sign-up bonus when you use promo code off the ball in all caps at sign up. Head over to betus.com and sign up today. And for those of you listening, thanks for listening. Have a good day, good night, good afternoon, whatever it is. You have a good one, and I'll see you next time.